Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a therapist and author based on the west side of Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictions. Welcome to my podcast, named after my recent book, It's Not About the Sex. Here we have honest conversations related to compulsive sexual behavior and trauma, all from a sexual health perspective. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints and practical strategies toward establishing greater intimacy and a more deeply connected life. Let's begin. Welcome, Sue. Hey, good morning, Andrew. Good morning. I am really excited about this episode. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) You know, it was something that just coincided with our 75th episode, but I think it's perfect because you have really been instrumental in actually getting this podcast off the ground. It never would have happened without you. (laughs) And you've been a voice and a contributor to our episodes from the very beginning. And I would really love our audience to get to know you better. Well, it's been really fun, Andrew. And just thinking like, I never really thought about like 75 episodes in, you know, like, And I got to credit you. I mean, you're always very well prepared and have some fantastic guests over the past, has it been two years? At least. Yeah, at least. Oh my gosh. So it's been really fun working on this project with you. Happy to uh, pull back the curtain, so to speak. Uh (laughs) From behind the scenes to the forefront. All right. So one thing I just wanted to say, other than how grateful I am for you in, in this podcast and in my life is that this is really a milestone for us because I think we have a a really wonderful collaboration here. And as our listeners know, we've been trying to get the word out about compulsive sexual behavior and other addictive behaviors and of course trauma and all from a, a sex positive viewpoint and it's really evolved and I really could not have done it without you for sure. And so I just want to say all of that to to begin and and to welcome you to to today's podcast together (laughs) as I interview you. Thank you. Yeah, no, like I said, it's been, it's been definitely a lot of uh, interesting topics and just knowledge coming forth that I had, I didn't even know anything about you know so it's just fantastic to be part of that and learning as our listeners are with all the things you present yeah we're all learning together Mm -hmm. so why don't we share a little bit about our background why don't you begin by sharing with uh, our listeners uh, how we met oh sure so um back in 1985 (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to remember exactly, was it 85 or 86? Because I went out to UMass and I was part of the UMass marching band, but you weren't that year in 85. You were just living among the marching band people. It's it's all a blur. Right. But, yeah. But it was somewhere in the mid 80s for right, sure. Yeah. And and UMass, for those people who may not know, is the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. Mm-hmm. And the power and class of New England that's was right the here. <laughs> Minuteman marching band. So that's actually the, the origins of, of where we met. Yeah. And we both had the experience of working under George Parks, who was mm-hmm. since passed. Um, mm-hmm. but just 
an, an amazing character and energizer and motivator and you know his, his it was wonderful wonderful to be part of his dynasty i guess for sure and he he left a huge legacy as well so it's uh i almost feel like it's important to have a moment to acknowledge and and just take that in because he truly was he was synonymous with the UMass marching band for many, many years. Yeah, many, many years. So, um, so what brought Andrew and I together was probably um, a group of people who were like-minded people. And um, looking back at my years at UMass, I was only there for for two years total. And uh, you came in from Rutgers, I believe, right? So That's you right. Were I transferred. Like coming and going, the both of us. But we we. Um, we became pretty close friends pretty quickly and just same frequency, same support of each other. And yes, yeah, it was wild times back then trying to figure out who we are. And, and I came We're from still figuring that out, aren't we? <laughs> but it was a big time of like Leo Buscaglia. I know we talked about him before <laughs> for me, but yeah, like the yeah. hugging doctor, I never was hugged as a child, you know, mm. that was never part of my, you know, growing up and, and, just going into a group of people where that was just what we did. We hugged, yeah, we cared for yeah. each other and it became instant family. It was, it was definitely family of choice. And I think the stars aligned and then brought us together. Yeah, for sure. And, and we're still in touch with many people in that original group. So it's, it's very special. Yeah. And I know they're all listening. Hello. I know <laughs> every one of them is listening at this moment. So hi, uh, we'll send all of our, our regards to, to Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, exactly. uh, New England. Anyway, why don't we shift gears and, and talk specifically about um, podcast producing? Because your role here has been to produce the podcast, but mm -hmm. also has been to be a collaborator on many episodes um, as we explore various issues. Mm -hmm. But tell me why and how you got involved with audio production. Oh, sure. So um, it goes back to I was working um, or I was up on the board of directors at the Chamber of Commerce in Concord, Massachusetts. And we started this little magazine program for for the chamber members. And in doing so, I, I was thrown to be behind the camera and behind the audio scenes and wanted to learn more about that. I didn't want to just be like a hack, you know, trying to piece it all together. So I decided to go back to back to school, which I kind of do a lot, <laughs> which <you'll hear. laughs> but I went to Emerson College and um, which Boston. is yeah very prominently known for um, production and actors and, you know, all of that whole industry. And so I, I picked up a certification there in digital media production where I was able to learn all these things and apply this new knowledge to um, that TV show that I was producing. And then that kind of morphed into me working and running the entire TV station wow. in, um, in Concord, Mass. And in learning and running the whole station, you wear many, many hats. So learning and understanding audio and video mm -hmm. and how that all works. So I just started when I moved out here, kind of offering that as um, an option for people instead of just doing the video part of it, but also the audio part of it. Mm -hmm. And it connects back to my passion of telling stories. For mm -hmm. me, I feel like everyone has a story. And to hear everyone's story, I love old, like old timey radio mm -hmm. and also tying it back to my dad, who was into the audio piece of um, 
of um, broadcasting as well. He had a he had a passion for it as well. And as a child, we had the reel to reel tape, uh, those huge big reel tapes. And my dad was always cutting things together. I don't know why. I need to talk to him about that. But um, but that was always part of my life. We always had tape recorders, and wow. I spent an entire summer recording jingles with my neighbor when we were like eight or nine years old, which I would love to have that tape. Mm. So audio's already always been there, and my passion for hearing people's stories and understanding where that everyone had a story and everyone came from somewhere. And I just wanted to be able to help people tell their stories, mm-hmm. um, which isn't really exactly what I'm doing. So to speak, you know, that's not the, the prominent theme of any of my podcasts that I do, but it is, I do produce like four other podcasts and helping people get their message. This one's your favorite though. This is my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) So I do have some really cool equipment that works um, for remote recording and also in the studio recording. Mm -hmm. Um, So just, uh, just my passion for that. And, and I I, I don't know, I like tinkering with things too, I guess. (laughs) Well, it's not too late to put together some jingles now so maybe we have another <laughs> podcast on, on that just no, jingles from the 70s yeah. that's right exactly <laughs> i mean that was the the highest point of jingles so one thing i know about you sue is ever since i've known you you've taken lots of classes and and you've gone through a lot of different types of certifications and mm-hmm. and learning i mean you're just you're a learner and I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about, and and you might have to, um, you know, streamline this a little bit because it's it's it, there's so many. But but what were the most instrumental uh, aspects of your your training, your your schooling through the years? Um, most instrumental. Well, I think Emerson College kind of gave me the foundational. It's the one um, school where. It was kind of mechanical and technical, which feeds some part of my brain that really needs to keep getting um, that feedback for. When I went to um, some business, I took some business classes to help with my um, bike tour business that I started. Um, Uh We'll come back to that. Yeah, that was a little more technical too, because there's numbers and stuff like that. But I think the the part, the, the life coaching classes and the hypnotherapy classes, and the now at UCLA, the addiction counseling classes really speaks to me understanding kind of human nature and how the brain works. I enjoy understanding, like almost validating, like why people say and do things, you know, and how they do go back to trauma or go back to childhood experiences and how we have our own introspection of what we are living and what we are experiencing. Understanding that um, helps people get on a better path for themselves, you mm-hmm. know, and that's, and that's important to help people realize and, and be more aware. Yeah. I think you know this about me, Sue, but I do believe that part of our therapeutic healing in life is about developing a cohesive story, cohesive narrative about who we are. Mm. And I love what you said about storytelling, because it doesn't matter whether it comes through audio production or through hypnotherapy or through addiction counseling or through life coaching, it's all the same idea. And I think that's such a a great focal point that, that you're highlighting in terms of what 
you're most passionate about and approaching it from different angles. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting to look at it like that, but yeah, that's true. Um, my, I know we'll might get to this, but I feel like when I went to India, it really opened up my eyes to people in other parts of the world, so far remote from where I was physically and mentally still had the same exact struggles, no matter, you know, they're living in tents down by the beach, but what they wanted were the same exact things that I wanted. And I'm living in this, you know, Concord, Massachusetts in a beautiful house in a beautiful neighborhood. And we wanted to care for our children. We wanted education. We wanted health. We wanted, you know, it was like survival, but in different ways, it was all coming through that it all, it all comes, it all to me came down to love. And it was just uh, that trip. There's still so much, even though it was like eight years ago, I, I still pull from it every day. Sure. It, it, my understanding is that it was a turning point for you. Mm. Speaking of turning points, you made a decision to enroll at the UCLA um, KDAC program. And mm-hmm. for people who don't know, KDAC is the California um, Addiction and Drug Counseling Certification, which is really the gold standard here in California. And UCLA has one of the best programs. And I was wondering if you could share about what attracted you to, to that particular program. Sure. Well, like you said, I mean, UCLA, that program is very well known and you can certainly go other places and, and, and get a KDAC, but the quality of, of the instructors and the connections they have and just, you know, the people that have gone through the program and the success rate of it just spoke to me. And I'm here, you know, like, why not take advantage of the best one that's around? Sure. Um, and it's been a fantastic program and just the cohort group. We are so tight and it's just fantastic. Mm. But when I first moved out here from from Boston to California, Andrew, you were uh, helpful in helping me locate a job and started working in, in the addiction counseling program with Dr. Tracy Zamansky, who works with specifically doctors going through recovery and has a monitoring program. So I kind of came on board as an admin, but worked my way up as a, a case manager and just really understanding what addiction was. I had no idea. I had really, I mean, we all experience it at some point in our lives or know people or have, you know, tendencies in that direction. I think we all kind of have addiction to just certain things. But um, how that all worked in the brain was very interesting to me. And, and then just trying to, and noticing like we have five-year contracts with, with people that come into her program and having seen five years of people come through from day one to kind of graduate through the program, Mm -hmm. it was amazing to see really how much they have grown and what Mm -hmm. they've learned and Mm -hmm. what they turned over and being a part of that was just amazing to me. And I just wanted to kind of sink my teeth more into that and be able to help people more. And, and that growth and growing myself through the program is, is um, also happening. So it's just, it's, it's a lot. I mean, addiction work and and addiction is, is a lot and can be heavy and burdensome, but there's also lots of light at the end of the tunnel and and to see Mm -hmm. that and be a part of that is this most incredible, amazing feeling. And Mm -hmm. I know, you know, understand that, but just 
helping people get through that is, I feel like a gift, you know, to be able to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, when you talk about it that way, and I, I sometimes take it for granted, honestly, um, it's, it's like a mutual healing, right? Mm -hmm. I get to be with others who are trying to find some kind of direction in their lives, some kind of hope, some kind of purpose. And at the same time, the, our hearts are, are working together. And so I, I so appreciate what, what you're describing and, and also what you're doing to expand on, on what you're already doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, a mutual feeling. And of course it's like what any relationship well, with a therapist or a counselor, there are boundaries in place, but your feelings and your, and to be compassionate, to be a human and, you know, being able to be empathetic and compassionate is sometimes just exactly what that person needs at that moment. And really we're just kind of planting seeds and mm -hmm. it's up to them yeah. to, to choose what to do with it. But I'm always here to, to support and understand and listen. Sure. And I just want to also mention that um, actually two of our previous guests, Tracy Zemanski, Dr. Zemanski, as well as Patty Britton, Dr. Mm -hmm. Patty Britton, are, are um, two of the folks that you've been collaborating with and, and working with for quite a while. And yeah. they both have an amazing, um, you know, kind of a, a approach to, to healing. And mm -hmm. of course, Patty focuses on, you know, sex and sexuality and, and sex positive approaches to living life with freedom and liberation and, and fun and pleasure, um, a little different energy than, than the other program. But I just wanted to put a plug in because you've been so helpful to both of them through the years. Yeah. I really enjoyed working with Patty. We have a, a project we're working on currently. So it's been a lot of that and feeling her energy and it's, yeah, she's, she's got a lot of really positive energy coming forward. So that's always a fun place and space to be working. Yeah. So I'm not sure if you want to talk about this in particular, but you, you did mention the Concord, Concord bike tour, uh, which I was lucky enough to actually go on the tour with you at one point. So, um, any, anything you would like to share about that? Well, again, <laughs> that was just something it's a, it, I look back at it and I just kind of chuckled that, um, I, I saw an opportunity and I think a lot of my life is about looking in for opportunities mm. and, and never really saying no to them, but I'm getting better at that. Um, but yeah, just going on family vacations with my two boys, we would always go to, um, a national park, a baseball game and an amusement park. It was kind of our trifecta for, for vacations. And we were in Gettysburg and I, I kind of am a little bit of a history buff. I don't know all the dates and names, but I do enjoy learning it. And when I was, went to Gettysburg, we had a really bad tour guide down there, but we had an amazing time because we were on bikes and the people that we were with were from all over the world. And it was just a really fun vacation and the boys really liked it and everyone really liked it and so when we came back home to Concord Mass I was like why are we not doing this here and there was nobody doing bike tours so I decided that this needed to be done and it took probably about six months to get it up and running I bought 10 bikes with my tax return money and got all the 
permits and everything that you need to get when you work with the, with the government, which wasn't easy, but I did it and started this bike tour company. And it just mm-hmm. grew. Like by the time you were on it, it was probably two or three years in and mm-hmm. it became best of Boston. And it was just an amazing, fun experience. But the key for me wasn't just taking people around on bikes. The key for me were, was the groups of people that I brought together and hearing them exchange stories and where they're from. And I felt like the catalyst. I felt like the mm. I was bringing together this group of people that would never of strangers never would mm-hmm. have met. And some of them are still friends today. And I'm still mm. friends with them and we'll mm. meet and talk to them. So storytelling. Again, back to the storytelling and connecting people together. Connecting. Yeah, it was huge. And yeah. I I looked forward to, you know, who am I going to meet today? And, you know, it was just really, it was really fun. And yeah, I missed, I missed doing it, but mm. it ended up being a safety issue. And, you know, other life things happened where I, I ended up selling the company. But but looking back, it was definitely about connection. And here mm-hmm. we are talking about addiction and connection and how important that is for all people to mm-hmm. make those connections. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have to say that having been on the tour, you knew every date and every detail and, and had your spiel down so perfectly that I was looking at you like, is this Sue? Is this my friend Sue? And, and it was just really fantastic. And, and I, I look back on that with a very warm heart. Mm, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm turning it into a podcast soon. So stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, circling back to the KDAC certification, what next? What do, you, what do you see in your future? What's the crystal ball say? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I wish I had one. Um, <laughs> Well, also at UCLA, they offer this uh, Mindfulness Awareness Research Center program, which mm-hmm. I'm going to hopefully get a- accepted into and start in, um, I believe, January. Otherwise known as Mark, M-A-R-C. Mark, that's right. Mark, what is um, Which have very well known meditation and mindfulness people. And um, just, again, it's here. And why not take advantage of it? So what I'd like to do is pair the mindfulness and meditation work with groups and um, work with people in addiction and drug drug recovery centers and help guide them to, you know, learn new coping mechanisms and, and learn how to take that time with reaction and, and, you know, what mindfulness does and can help reprogram your brain and, really, you know, as another tool for them to be successful. So just kind Mm. of pair the two together. My um, ultimate way down the line dream, (laughs) which I don't know if I'll ever get there, but it's a dream Mm -hmm. is to own some sort of a meditation resource vehicle where I can Mm. go and take it to wellness businesses or like hospitals or or different clinics or even to the food market or wherever and have a space kind of sanctuary space for people to be able to um, meditate and have some mindfulness reminders and whether that's using like virtual reality goggles or Mm. just just having a space available for people who may not be aware of that and help planting the seed 
so that people can continue and build their own practice. Mm -hmm. And not that you know anything about this, Sue, but I certainly could use some more mindfulness in my life. Mm -hmm. I, I do have a small meditation practice in the morning, but I, I know that I would benefit from expanding on it. And so in some ways, it's, it's so much more than a tool. It's, it's a way of life. It's a lifestyle. It's learning how to be still. And when we're talking about compulsive addictive behaviors and uh, traumas of various kinds, it's so disruptive to the nervous system, as we know, and to infuse mindfulness into our everyday and, and into our lifestyle. Um, I, I, I just see it as, as a, a necessity, really, mm -hmm. for not only regulating the nervous system, but, but breathing and grounding and, and being human, basically, exactly. without having to be scheduled or running around or distracting or going on social media or whatever that is, it takes us away from the moment. It's like bringing us back to what it is we are, you know, exactly. because we got caught up in so many other things that just being we're bombarded with constantly and just kind of erasing that and getting back to really simple things of, like you said, breathing. How many times are we walking around holding our breaths? You know, it's just, mm. you know, and I noticed during COVID just like, wearing the masks and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I was like holding my breath like so many times. I'm like, oh my God, just breathe. It's like when you get home and you take your shoes off and you're just mm -hmm. like, oh, right. it's that same feeling of being able to allow yourself that release. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really like a vacation when you can do that. And you can have that so many times throughout your day. Exactly. You know, people really turn away from meditation because they think like, oh, I'm just going to fall asleep. And I'm like, well, that's not really what it is. I mean, it's more like you said, mindfulness and awareness. Yeah, that is important. People sure. are not aware of where they are at any moment. And you can see that at the supermarket, driving around your neighborhood, um, even at restaurants and bars, you know, it's like, it's just everyone's somewhere else. It's crazy. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So before I let you go, I, I, I want to invite you, if you're open to it, to talk about your role as a mom and having raised two great kids, <laughs> um, much of that on your own, actually, um, because I, I just I've seen these great boys from the time they were born and now they're in their 20s. And so yeah. I, I really invite you to share whatever you'd like to share about that aspect of who you are. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, I think they kind of come out wired certainly different ways. And, you know, I, so I think I'm kind of lucky in that um, what I got. But <laughs> um, at the time that I was a new mom, I was also back at college getting my BA in um, early childhood education. So I was starting to learn about Erickson and, you know, the stages of life and development. And I had two babies at the same time. So I was fortunate because I didn't have that knowledge of what it was to be a mom, really. I mean, nobody does other than your own personal experience. And my personal experience wasn't the greatest. Um, I know they were doing the best they could, but 
but learning about like attachment styles and, you know, all these things while you have two young children, it was fantastic. So I feel like I was kind of um, at the right time at the right moment to really help and guide and facilitate time and experiences for my children. I think it was just fortunate in my education and, and following my gut too. You know, a lot of people forget to do that, even though we do have access to academics and understanding mm. and, um, and stuff like that. You still, what feels right to you and understanding and knowing that Andrew, I'm very lucky. I mean, these kids are just fantastic and mm -hmm. they're just compassionate, empathetic, sensitive young men who, mm -hmm you know, we'll make a difference in this world. So yeah, they're good people. Yeah. So sometimes at the end of our podcast, I asked the question, what, what, what would be a couple of things you would like our, our listeners to remember, but I'm actually going to step in and, and share the theme that came up earlier, because I thought the theme of storytelling and connection was so beautiful and, and touching because I don't always think about that, especially as a pair, but it's what we do all the time. It's true. Yeah. And, and I really appreciate you introducing those, those particular concepts because they're not just concepts, but they're, they're, they're ways to, um, you know, to heal from the inside out. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, look at your story that you're telling yourself. <laughs> and um, that's right. Yeah. It's, I mean, I've just really come came into this pretty recent as far as understanding that we it, when I wrote my family of origin story recently, again, um, <laughs> this is my story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? And what is your story? And mm -hmm. even though my mom could read my paper and be like, that's not really my story. You know, mm -hmm. that's not, she has a different take on it. So we all have our own takes on it and being open to that and understanding that is, is, you know, learning and growth and, mm -hmm. you know, saying, Oh, okay, this is your story. It's right. not anybody else's really. And, and to own our stories, to share our stories with folks we, we trust deeply and um and to be seen and heard and understood and valued and respected i mean that's really what we're talking about which is every human being's um desire yeah. so with that said <laughs> what a pleasure to have you here today sue thank you andrew it was, it was a lot of fun I really enjoyed turning the table and <laughs> and seeing what it was like to to have you as the interviewee and uh, I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, thank you. I did too. Have a good day. All right. Day. See you soon. Please give us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe and share my podcast with those who may benefit. I look forward to you joining us the next time.